You're listening to Running Inside Out Special Events. This is a 2016 Twisted Branch Trail Run Preview Show. Hello everyone and thank you for listening to this Running Inside Out podcast special event. If you've heard two episodes of this podcast, you'll know that I have a fondness for the Twisted Branch Trail Run. And so I'm super excited to bring you this special preview episode. So let's start off with what is Twisted Branch? Well, it's a point-to-point 100K ultramarathon on Saturday, August 20th. It runs the Bristol Hills branch of the Finger Lakes Trail starting in Naples, New York in Ontario County Park and deposits runners on the shores of Cuca Lake in the town of Hammondsport. The trail is made up of single track, logging roads, groom trails, dry stream beds, abandoned roads, dirt roads, and paved roads. While it starts in one, be certain this ain't a stroll through the park. You will be challenged from start to finish. You will also be rewarded for your efforts with some of the most breathtaking views of the Finger Lakes region. Find more information by going to www.twistedbranchtrailrun.com. That link is also in the episode notes. This episode is sponsored by Bodywork Needed. Runners, relax and take care of yourself in Honeyoy Falls with Bodywork Needed, specializing in sports and pain management. Your pain and discomfort will disappear with a deep tissue massage. Just five miles from Menden Ponds Park, Bodywork Needed, a sponsor of the Twisted Branch Trail Run, is ready to help you meet your running goals. Make an appointment and mention this podcast and we'll add an extra 15 minutes to your treatment. As a quick aside, Pam from Bodywork Needed was at the finish line last year of Twisted Branch. She worked on my knee at 1047 at night. Yeah. She was there until the very end of the race. You can hear why my knee needed so much help if you listen back to episode 12, where I divulge in extreme detail my race experience from last year. I'm confident that it was a lot of her help that had my knee feeling pretty spry the next day, despite what I had done to it. You can check out Bodywork Needed at www.bodyworkneeded.com. This episode is also sponsored by MedVed. MedVed Running and Walking Outfitters is the Rochester area's premier store for running, walking, and outdoor fitness enthusiasts since 1984. They are family-owned and believe strongly in supporting our community through races and other local events. Truth. So, thanks to Bodywork Needed and MedVed for sponsoring this show. Now, we told you some of the facts about the race. 100K Ultra, Ontario County Park, Hammondsport. But what about the feels? Well, that's what this preview episode is about. It isn't going to be a mile-by-mile tour of the course or a who's-who lineup of runners for this year. This episode is about the people, the dedication, the atmosphere of Twisted Branch. You'll hear about the appreciation, experience, and love for the race. Essentially, what makes this race special? You'll hear four people, five if you're counting me, share their unique perspectives on the race, one or two of which I'm sure you can definitely relate to. However, if you want some of the other nitty-gritty facts to read, for real, head over to the website. It's one of the most polished and informative race sites I've ever seen. And if you want more talking about the race, here are a few resources. 
The origin story of Twisted Branch is actually on episode one of this podcast. That's right, we premiered with the story of Scott creating Twisted Branch. Check for it in the second half of the episode, at about 33 minutes and 40 seconds to be exact. It'll also be linked in the show notes. You can also listen to my previously mentioned episode 12 if you're really into that. Okay, so let's get to it. So this is our Twisted Branch preview panel. We're going to have a discussion about Twisted Branch, the race, the volunteering, the running, the logistics, the organizing, all the whole shebang, right? Soup to nuts. So we've established an esteemed panel. And initially I said I was going to go with Mr. Ostrander <laughs> first, but I realized perhaps ladies first might be the better way to do it. Why, thank you. Yeah. The Wow, it sounds so good in these headphones. Oh, good, good job. Good. Um, the uh, Laura Howard, the volunteer extraordinaire, the lady at all the aid stations, the one that saves the day. Except when I'm running. <laughs> Except for when you're running. Then I run for the aid stations. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, you volunteered last year at mm-hmm. Twisted Branch. I did. The whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about Twisted Branch that has you interested and excited? Uh, well, last year I got into the volunteering because I saw just like this amazing race. It was its inaugural year and there were some really awesome people running it and I really just wanted to experience it and be part of that. Um, there's something so motivating about watching other people do remarkable things and you kind of want to do remarkable things. And the race was just remarkable. Yeah, and uh, Italy Valley aid station was pretty remarkable well, itself. Maybe Scott, I was at the Turnpike. Oh, you were at yeah. Turnpike. So there's two Italy Valleys. Right. I was at the second you were one. At Italy Turnpike. I heard the first one had pasta and Italian food, and yeah. people really wanted to eat it, but that's not a good idea during yeah. that well, kind of a race. You know what? I, I well, in the whole thing when somebody's like, "Hey, that end station was all Italy," I was like, "I didn't even realize it." <laughs> I, I, I ate like four pieces of watermelon. Yeah. In my... Well, because you know, like, no, I should yeah. not eat acidic tomato sauce. Yeah, but but there were some people that the the people hanging out got to have the pasta right i mean yep. what better go watch a race and have a bowl of pasta right, right. And hang out all right so um the aid station volunteer extraordinaire um this year you're going to be crewing and or um supporting in some other role in some again, way right? Right? yeah but so you're still going to be there i will be there yeah. crewing or pacing or maybe i'll call scott the <laughs> night before and say what do you need <laughs> i'm free all day, free all day. <laughs> um okay so then we have uh mike maynodesey can I get your name right once yeah, in my good. life? That good. good. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Um, I tried last podcast, and I think I got it right, but I said it faster this time. Um, okay. So you uh, ran the Glenbrook Aid Station last year, yeah. correct? I was uh, in the Glenbrook Aid Station last year. Yep. I had a lot of fun doing that. Yep. And so now you've transitioned. Instead of standing around giving, giving out beer to runners. Yes. You're going to actually be the runner this year. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's my, uh, I am excited about it. It's, it's my goal race for the year. Uh, I knew last year that I was not going to be ready for it, and, but I wanted to be part of it, and I, I was, and thoroughly enjoyable experience. Uh, have utmost respect for it, and now that I'm doing preview runs to acquaint myself with the areas that that I am not yet acquainted with, um, that respect is, is uh, supported and, and reinforced. Uh, so it's 
it's putting the right amount of fear into me right now so that uh, <laughs> I can get my head set correctly for this. I, I, think I'm, I think I'm going to succeed. My goal is to finish it. Um, I think I'm going to do it, but it's, you know, I'm, I have no illusions. It's going to be a glorious day. Yeah. So what, what got you interested in being there in the first place? What was it about Twisted Branch where you said, you know what, I'm going to spend my day working out there? Uh, as last year or this year? Yeah, last year. L- last year? No, it looked like a, I, I just wanted to be part of something like that. This, you know, trail running and being out in the, in the woods like that and, and that section there, I, I just wanted to be part of it. And I'm, I'm very glad I was. That seems to be the sort of the theme I wanted to. There, this was a thing. I need to be part of it in some capacity. Well, there's something magical about it. I don't know how to like it, how else to put it. There was just something so alluring about it. It was like, yeah. oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah. so the third person in our group, uh, Mr. Dan Ostrander, and and as I've categorized it, Dan had the uh, the breakout performance of 2015. He always frowns when I say that, but uh, I just learned about this breakout tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right, so twice you frowned and twice I've said it. <laughs> between between you and Mike Mertzak, I think those were the two. Like you guys were like the wow. You you showed up for this race, so you um, performed really well last year at the race. Thank you. Um, yeah, good job. So, what was it about the race that sort of got you into it, interested in it? Well, it, it kind of, the whole thing started in 2014, I tried to run the Leadville Trail 100, and I had to drop because I missed a cutoff somewhere in the early 60s, 63, something like that. And so that was a little bit demoralizing and tough. It was my first and only DNF, and you know, after the race, I was commiserating with myself, trying to figure out what was next, and I told myself, all right, next year, nothing longer than a 50K, I'm just going to reboot everything, start from scratch, and start to build back up towards the 100-mile distance. And then Twisted Branch kind of just fell into my lap, and, you know, I didn't want to do it at first, but the more I looked at it, the more I researched it, and the more I thought about it, you know, it's point-to-point, which is amazing. It's local-ish. I mean, it's only an hour away from where I was living, so that was a huge bonus. No huge travel expense to deal with. Um... And it was on trails that I spent very little to no time on, um, other than the OCP side. So, you know, it had a lot of really good factors. Plus, I knew I'd see a lot of familiar faces there. There'd be a ton of support, both at the aid stations and from other runners. It'd be easy for, you know, any family and friends to come and support. So, you know, all the pieces were there, and it was like, all right, I'd be kind of stupid not to do this race. And so I kind of was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. I just registered, like, early on, and, um, and that was it, you know, and then... From there, it just kind of uh, grew, and I started seeing more and more people setting up, and it just, yeah, it was kind of just went from there. Yeah, I think you were you were one of the first ones when we were talking. It was like you and me and Laura, and we're like, "There's nine people signed up for this thing," and then kaboom, mm-hmm. right? It's like, um, so our uh, other person here for the discussion is is the man responsible for all this, uh, Scott McGee. He's going to be barraged with questions and inquiries as to this this thing that he's created. Um, so the very first episode of the podcast, Scott was on, and we talked about why you sort of felt you needed to create this thing. But um, 
So we can we can tell people to go back to listen to that. You can give us the Cliff Notes version <laughs> um, now, if you'd like, because then I got a follow up question for you. Sure. So what was it? I mean, that drove that you said. You know what? I'm going to take three years of my life and I'm going to make this race happen. And plain and simple, it was the trail itself. You know, I had I had done the trail myself twice. Uh, the first time I convinced myself, no way, this could ever be a race. Second time I did it, I had. Right when I finish, it's like one of those things where you finish something like I'm never doing that again. Still had that same thought. Too hard, too logistically impossible. Um, but it just grew on me and grew on me and grew on me. And I had an opportunity in my professional life, my real job life, to sink some time into it. And and then I just it was like then it just had to happen. I knew I had to dedicate some time to my life in my life to make it happen and put all the things together. And as I started kind of peeling everything together and organizing it, it all of a sudden didn't seem logistically impossible. It seemed hard and complex, but not definitely not impossible. And I started talking to a few people, a few race directors, and every time I mentioned it, people's eyes would light up and they would be like, "No way, really, this is actually going to happen." And so, I'm still at a point now. Um, you know, I just, we got a landowner to agree to a new aid station location and I'm like pumped. I'm like, you know, putting my fist in the air, like so excited. Um, so it, the race is still a huge passion for me, um, despite all the work and all the time and, and, and everything that goes into it. So, um, I don't know. I just, I want, I want the race to really just be the race. I want the trail to be the race. You know, I don't want it to be gimmicky and, and. I don't think it needs to be gimmicky, you know. I think the trail just speaks for itself, and, and that's my, my favorite thing about it. And if I can get better at this and things become easier as it goes on, then then it's just it just means more people can come out and more people can experience it. And um, yeah, yeah. And so the follow up is when you woke up the morning after last year's race, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say yes? I'm totally gonna do that race again next year. No. Well, it happened, it happened before I even went to bed that night, um, which I don't even remember sleeping that night. Um, it was, I don't know, like one or two in the morning and everything had kind of been cleaned up and we were, and I just, I'm never, like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. That was impossible. Um, I had put a lot of my friends and my family and myself through a lot to pull the race off. And I, I think in a way I kind of felt guilty for how much I felt like I had pulled from so many people um, to make it happen, you know. And then it just started to, you know, the faucet turned on. People were like, that was amazing. That was amazing. And so all this guilt I had turned into something else. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody, nobody was writing me letters and complaints. You know, we had zero complaints from landowners, from the FLTC, from the Finger Lakes Trails Conference. And... Um, you know, even my family slowly over time forgave me for, (laughs) (laughs) well, that took a lot of dinners, right? And a lot of thank you gifts. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I I mean, when we, when we think about the race, you know, we think about our, our training and getting ready for that. And, you know, I trained nine, you know, essentially I say I trained nine months. I signed up on December 6th and that's December 7th. I was training for Twisted Branch. You know, and so we think of nine months of training all the runs, and we got races leading up to it. Um, 
but the race directing part of that, the logistics with like the land permits and the the dealing with what three counties that you're running through, mm-hmm. um, the search and rescue coordinator and all of the the amount of coolers you have to buy, <laughs> the easy up tents, all that stuff, right? I mean, that's a there's a there's a real labor of love here going on, right? For sure, for sure, yeah. So, and, and it was an education too. So there's the three counties, there's 11 municipalities, villages and towns that we run through. There's the 100, DEC. 145 landowners? Like 124, 124. different landowners. Um, FLTC, of course, in New York State, Department of Transportation, and the DEC. Mm-hmm. I think that's my full list. Oh, and then USATF, who is, is a sanctioning of the race. So there's a process you go through with them as well. Is it so a Boston qualifier or something? No. <laughs> no. But I think that right there is from my perspective as a volunteer, you were so detail oriented and your emails um, were clear and really helped me feel prepared to be able to help everybody on the course and feel like able to do that. But what you said, um, I mean, you clearly have this amazing support group and the passion that you have made everybody else want to be part of it. And I think that's why everybody bought in and then continues to, because it's, it's clearly so meaningful to you. Yeah, I think, and when you talked about, um, you talked about that the first time, you said you just, you, when you were running the trail, as as you're running it, you're like, more people need to see this trail, more people need to experience it. And the first time that I ran that piece down into the Urbana aid station, that piece, the pine forest on the slow descent, Mitchell, Mitchell I was yeah. just like, but what yes right well, like, sort of like what dan said right it's close by mm-hmm. and people run ontario county park ocp and people run mitchellsville gorge but almost the entire sections in the middle nobody ever goes there yeah there's uh, there's some reasons why nobody ever goes there <laughs> it's beautiful but you have to earn it yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it you're out in the middle of nowhere yeah, you know, it, 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 you know, as close as you are to places, there's, I think, portions of the trail you don't feel like you're close to anything yeah. at all. You're in now, some pretty remote places. Now, Mike, you've been organizing some recent runs down there, right? Getting, getting. Yes, yeah, so last couple in. of weekends, I've, I'm like, well, I've never run these in the, <laughs> uh, these those sections. I've only run the one section around Glenbrook, the the, the one we were just talking about, Urbana State Forest. Uh, so I've, I've been scheduling them and, and, and not getting a big turnout, but a few people are coming out and, and it's, it's great. It's, they're beautiful sections. I absolutely agree that more people need to see this, the, these areas. And they're also very challenging, very hard. <laughs> you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doubting myself. Am I out there? I'm like, wow. You know, yeah. You're but, really good with hills. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, I, I have, I'm working on the heat portion, so I've right. got to get acclimated to it. And, and I think it'll be all right by the time we, we mm-hmm. I get there. We'll, we'll give it a shot. But, but yeah, yeah I've been um, um, doing some preview runs. We're going to do one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you and I are scheduled right now. I think it's, a, you know, maybe yeah. one other. There's a few people's are maybes. Um, I, you know, I was hoping that more people would be able to do it, but, you know, it's, it's whatever people are... Uh, what are, you know, works in their schedule. It's a big time commitment. Yeah, but do you feel like when you're down there, like you're exploring? Do you feel like you're sort of on an adventure, you know, going into these areas that, you know, yeah, like yes. you're, you know, they're sort of tamed. They're sort of, they're FLT. They got the white <clears throat> blazes. They're marked. But 
to me, I felt like I was exploring while I was out there. Like, what's going to happen next? I, uh, uh, I guess I, I know that, uh, like, after, the, after you run a new section, you remember what that new section is like, you know. And before you run it, you, you imagine what it might be like, but you're looking at a map and you have no real idea. So that first time that you go out on the trail ends up sticking with you, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, and, and your senses are more... Uh, attuned to what's going on around you and uh, so that's that's a fun exploring thing just as mm-hmm. you said and, and yeah. it's nice yeah now Dan when you're when you're running at the Jaguar like speeds that you ran those cars <laughs> <laughs> another frown another frown yeah well he he is decked out in his twisted ranch shirt after all so he he knows what he did last year but um, did you, so you, you ran at a considerably different pace than I did, but as you're going through it, do you still feel that sort of sense of exploration and kind of like, whoa, look at this and whoa, look at that? Well, the first exposure I had to the course outside of OCP um, was a run that Scott and Mike Lesher and I did. It was a 10 mile stretch from Bud Valley mm-hmm. campground to... Mm-hmm wherever 10 miles just, away is just below lake david just below lake david mm-hmm. so bud valley's like the 40 mile mark yeah so late yeah. in the race and i remember I and mean, it's like you know we're just gonna go out for 10 miles easy pace just you know mike wanted to scope out some potential spots for shooting photos i wanted to get a look at some of the course um and so we got out there and i just remember barreling down the descent to the road where it ended uh, right below the climb up to the lake and i was just like this race is going to be super hard. Like mm-hmm. we ran 14s that day, I think. And it was not for a lack of trying. Like there was, <laughs> mo- it was a moderate effort. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is mile 40 to 50. And I just ran a 10 mile stretch fresh and yeah. it was hard. Yeah. I was like, holy cow. And mm-hmm. I think that was the first time I really thought like, this is going to be a grand undertaking. It's not just going to be like, well, I'm just going to go get some time on feet and uh, bang out this 100k. You know, yeah. it was um, that was the first kind of eye opener. I was like, holy cow, like this is this is serious. And that so the after this preview run, this was this was the beginning of me changing the original <laughs> cutoff hours from 16 to 18. We had a conversation oh in the car on the way home or on the way yeah. back to wherever. Yeah. And I was like, what's the cutoff for this? And you said it, and I was like, we started doing the math, and I'm like, you might be right. And I had set the cutoff. Yeah. You know, well, well before without even thinking about it, and yeah, because we're talking never... about we're talking about Dano running it fast, but yeah. you said your first time running it was thirteen hours. Yeah, but it wasn't the full sixty. Yeah, you, you didn't, didn't the do BHT. miles. You yeah, didn't do I just Mount did Washington, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. I, totally I remember, different animal. You know, and, and when it was all said and done, the original cutoff sixteen hours. I would have been like an hour and ten minutes ahead of that. Yeah, I would have and not been. I would have been at Urbana. You know, so that uh, you know, I was like, wow, that's really aggressive. Like, it, it, holy cow! It would have given and us like a high twenties finishing rate. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I, Dan, can you remind me what you finished in? Fourteen fifty-one. That's incredible. Yeah. So that makes more sense. I needed more context. I couldn't. Yeah, recall. Dan, Dan finished just as the sun was going down. I did wow. not have to use my headlamp a second time. Yeah. Um, the lat, the switchbacks coming down to the road at the finish were pretty dark. I probably could have used it, but there was enough light that I could mm-hmm. make my way. Um, I was offered a headlamp at, um, Urbana, at what's the last, the last aid station, yeah. and Tom I was Urbana. like, I kind of looked at my watch, and I did the math, and I was like, eh, 
it's only like four and a half miles, five miles. I'm like, that should be okay. Yeah. It was close. It yeah. was really close. Anyone behind me without a headlamp would have been up the creek. But I, I think um. it's, I think it's four and a half from Urbana, and I was just looking at this the other day, and so those four and a half miles were on average a two-hour. <gasps> it was hard. That's the, incredible. That's the average time was it was like one fifty something was the average. Wow. Yeah, it's that's it was crazy. not. I, I remember. Mike's face. I remember. So so I got into Urbana and I hadn't been thinking about cutoffs the whole time, and I was like, so they got in there Urbana and the, my wife had the kids there and everything. And she's like, so how long do you think it's going to take you to finish? And I was like, this section should be ninety minutes, ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes. And she goes, well, we're at, um, you know, and I'm, I look and I'm like, oh, I'm at 1530, 90 to 120 minutes. I better make this happen. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of cutoffs until that, that very minute. Wow. It's probably and, a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And I finished at 1743. You know, oh I finished with 17 minutes to spare. So, I mean, that, that piece, um, there's something to that piece, um, but the piece before that makes you think you're floating on air. That that run is so just beautiful. The Mitchellsville I mean, Gorge coming yeah, down into Urbana, Gorge. and then you come out into the vineyard. And, yep. Yeah. I so, wish. Oh, I, I gotta was, get there down was, there. There was, there was the, the it was like a moon coming up. There were hotter <laughs> balloons in the sky that night. It was just the perfect summer evening. Mm. Yeah. I wish I had felt better at that point. Um, I was <laughs> pretty shredded at that point, and I was like, man, I would love to feel good and just like hammer down these hills and just really go after it. But I was just. I was not in a position to do that at that point, so I would like to go back and run that again and actually enjoy it and look yeah. around and do it with a smile on my face. But yeah, my my um, two times enjoying it were during the previews because mm-hmm. I did not, I couldn't run it at the at the end. But you know, yeah, it was. I thought I thought we had caught the sunset. Like I was so delirious at that point. <laughs> we come out of the woods and I'm like, Dave, look at that sunset. It's huge, big glow over the ridge, and. It's not going down. It's going up. <laughs> Dave's like, uh, that's the moon. Were you with Dave Justice? Is Dave Justice? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, the moon. That's right, because it's nighttime. <laughs> Delirious. You had a great time. Delirious. <laughs> so, all right. So we've talked sort of about of our, our experience, and we're, we're sort of in the middle. So now, as I like to do, is unchronologically... Um, Let's talk about how uh, the preparations. How did you get ready for this thing? Um, Scott, you get to go last because we know how you got ready for this thing, right? Lots of, lots of sleep, lots of, lots of easy nights, <laughs> <laughs> lots of rest, good phone calls. Um, but the, the race day preparations, and, and the reason I bring this up is because the new thing this year um, Scott, in his uh, negotiation and tactful ways, we will be uh, graced with free camping this year. So we will be able to camp at Ontario County Park free. Very cool. Just just because you're a super cool runner um, and you're associated, you know Scott McGee. You just be like, I know Scott, and they'll be like, there's your spot right over there. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the actual registration process, but um, so we're gonna have that, right? But um, in, in those logistics, the day before a race, you're doing a lot of packing. You're getting a lot of, you're getting ready to, for a local race for us, but we still have to travel. We're not, I don't know if any of you came down the morning of, or if you all came down the night before like me. So I camped, I got a camping spot and it turns out I had a bunch of filthy drifters stay at my camping spot <laughs> with me. 
because <laughs> trail runners I know that group. <laughs> yeah, trail runners don't know how to make reservations. So everybody ended up at my spot, which was really cool because then Kendra had a spot next to us and Scotty Jacobs had a spot next to us. So, And then there were some non-runners on the other side like, you guys going to bed already? You're so well behaved. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> expect it when they looked no, at you. <laughs> we, no, we look like a bunch of ruffians. And then at, <laughs> at, at nine o'clock, we shut down camp. And they were like so happy. They're like, wow, you're going to bed already. Good. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, we went down the night before and camped and hung out. I mean, Ontario County Park is perfect with the bathrooms and the showers and on top, the nice breeze, cool vistas and everything. So, Laura, what was your, like, you know, volunteer preparations like? Yeah, it was uh, really interesting. I It was my first time really leading an aid station as much as I've participated in aid stations before. Um, I spoke with the Trails Rock board and um, asked them if we could kind of be like the unofficial Trails Rock aid station, and they were really cool about it and gave us all this Trails Rock stuff that we could hang everywhere. Um so that because because I don't think anybody on the board could be there or I don't did anybody they run? were running or out of town yeah so and they're I think half the board was running the race right so that was the really interesting <laughs> and so um able to get the banners I just kind of put a you know an announcement out anybody that wants to participate got the people um we all wore trails rock stuff but I was down at OCP for sunrise and ironically, it's the first time that I met Jason Vidmar. And because um, I had to go up and like get all the stuff at the top. And it was really interesting because I'm kind of looking at all the stuff he has and I'm looking at my car and I'm like, hmm, I did not think about this very well. <laughs> so um, he, in his true MacGyver sense, really did magic and fit it all in my car. Thank goodness I didn't have a passenger. Everybody else drove themselves. So it worked out really well. Um, so then I met up with everybody that was meeting, was joining me at the aid station and we set everything up and went to town. And the best part was at that point I was injured and I wasn't running. Um, that doesn't so, sound like the best part. Well, it worked out really great for everybody else. Cause then they all as a group went and, um, and, uh, got the flags and I so I drove to the next aid station and picked them up so it really wasn't that much planning Scott did it all but I was very confident in the emails and the details he gave me to show up and just be ready to motivate people which yeah, was great and motivate you did that's for sure <laughs> it was really fun yeah all right Mike and and so what you had another aid station and so what was your prep like um I don't remember too much about the prep other than I, I had not run a age. I don't think I had done any aid station work before, but I had a couple of tables. I had a pop-up tent. I brought my chairs, and I brought a little uh, something to play some music with. And so, we got it all set up. All of the stuff was there. I, was it your your father was there or your brother? I don't know somebody that was related to plus other folks that were, were there at some point. Uh, I can't remember An exactly when. Yeah, yeah, uh, old co coworker of mine. I used to Bill? work with him, Bill Fitzpatrick. Bill, Bill Fitz, yeah. So Bill was there. Yeah, he used to work with. He quit shortly after so, the race. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if I was going to lead. I'm like, so have you guys ever done this before? And I'm like, no, you're going to show us. And I'm like, okay. So then let's set this up here. Boom, 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 boom. Got into action, and we set up a good little um, aid station. That, and I think it worked out pretty well. I think it worked out pretty good. A lot <laughs> of people were saying, you know, well, one of the things was. There's there's always an aid station that has booze. There's always one, right? And um, oddly, at Twisted Branch, we had a couple of them. So we had Pub 54, but before you got to Pub 54, there was Glenbrook. And um, yep. 
you were giving out, you had little shots of beer and you were just like, just have a little taste. It'll get those gels out of your mouth. And I was like, oh, hey, that's a great idea. Because I wasn't really interested in beer at all. But getting the taste of a gel out of my mouth was a great motivator for me. And then the watermelons seem to be cut up really well there. I don't know if you were the watermelon slicer <laughs> there. but uh, I, I may have had something to do with yeah, it. I, I remember hearing how to cut watermelon so that it was effective on races. And so I tried. Uh, I guess it worked. That's good. In these moments, you always say yes. Take credit <laughs> All right. when it's being know, given to you. I'm working on that. <laughs> uh, there were some folks that, that drank the full beer. You know, they just chugged the whole thing down and let's go. I guess it would and hurt you, less. Yeah, I mean, as long as you can... a lot of gels to... Yeah. Yeah, a lot of gels to wash down. <laughs> as long as you can deal with the bubbles, I got to imagine it's pretty good. It's calories, right? It's carbs. So, um, all right. And uh, Mr. Ostrander, what did, what did you do to sort of get yourself ready for this race? What was your uh, pre-race like? Well, one of the things I was excited about for it being a local race was I'd be able to sleep in my own bed the night before the race. Um, but I didn't do that. Um, cause the race starts so early, it's an hour away. If I'm going to get up and do all my morning prep stuff before I get out the door, it's a real early wake up. So I actually camped the night before, um, and yeah, slept on an air mattress, which was not ideal. No. Um, yeah, I don't love the air mattress. I don't, I don't think it ever is, but you know, especially before the, you know, pretty much one of the longest races I've ever done. But, um, I got, you know, four or five hours of solid sleep and I, you know, got up and was able to shower, which, you know, a lot of people don't shower before runs because they're just going to get filthy anyway, but that's part of, like, how I wake up in the morning. So it was nice to be able to just walk over and take a shower and, you know, have that um, access. And then from there, it was just try to get some breakfast in and wander over to the start, which was way farther away than <laughs> so I you wanted were, to. You were I was in the camping RV. with Feisner. You were in the RV camping. And we were tucked back behind somewhere and it was a lot farther of a walk up than I anticipated um that early in the morning but um no it's good it was good to get up to the front and you know when it's when the sun is still down and you see headlights their headlamps just bopping around and you see just all the nervous exciting energy and everybody just kind of doing their last minute preps um one of my favorite photos from the entire day um, Mike Lesher, I think, shot it at the start line um, where everybody's kind of just standing around waiting for the start and all you see is headlamps flashing everywhere. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a, I don't know, such a really good photo. Is so that, that the, was, the streaming headlamps at the start or is that no, sort like, of, oh, the middle static, of the static, everyone's just standing yeah. around, but I love that it's just, one. it's such a good photo. Yeah. And you I, can just, feel the energy yeah, in the photo. It's like, everyone's just kind of waiting around, but everyone's like ready to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was, um, it was good. And then the gun went off and that was it. it you know it was, what it was a pretty I, good morning what yeah. i totally contrast that one with is about uh three four weeks later i was at the rochester marathon to see um because davin was running and i was like i'm gonna go watch davin just at the start and when i had a few friends in the race and everything davin's standing at the very front line of the rochester marathon picking something out of his tooth <laughs> like this is the free race, you know, and I'm like, that's totally not the energy that we had at Twisted Branch, no. and we had a Twisted Branch. People are positive. People are bouncing back and forth, trying to catch all their friends before the start. Yeah, that was like you the know. hardest part, trying to see everybody and say hi yeah. and good luck, and because there yeah. were so many familiar faces there. But yeah, and so the the energy was just so different, 
And then there were there were cows at the start of Twisted Branch, which was a nice bonus because <laughs> how the hell did those cows get up there? So that was fun. Just randomly? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not in a pasture. No. <laughs> These aren't real cows. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, I was not up that early. <laughs> so, so as we're starting this race, uh, you know. I, I had been to a few ultras, but, you know, 100Ks that start at 5 a.m., like, there's weird people at these things, right? Like, there's, everybody's We're in, all weird. Yeah, right? We're all in weird, hyper-colored shirts that wick the, you know, and we got all this lights and gear and shoes, and then there's two cows over there, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there's two cows, whatever. Uh, but then one of them is holding a sign and it's got 52 on the sign. And that's like my number. I realize as we're running past them, I'm like, wait, that number is my number. And I'm like, what the hell are these cows? So for the first half of the race, I'm preoccupied with who are these people in these cow suits. But what was really cool is they were cows for everybody. You know, <laughs> like what's strange about it is they're giving directions to people. They're like, the aid station's <laughs> over this way. They're handing out price. But I mean, it was that it was that kind of atmosphere in the middle of the you know Finger Lakes Trail at five a.m. That's the that's the kind of excitement that you had. Who was it? It was it was my best friend TJ from up in Vermont, and uh, my buddy Mark from he lives in Jade, New York. And, that's so cool. And they decided to come down. Unbeknownst to me, they were gathering intel from my wife. Here, I thought my wife was all interested in the details of the race. (laughs) You were deceived. I'm like, oh, Summer's all asking me where I'm camping. She wants to make sure, you know, like, but they (laughs) they had slept at Bud Valley the night before, like underneath the flagpole at Bud Valley. They made friends with like all the people at Bud Valley campground. Then they drove up from Bud Valley for the start. So they had a longer day than than I did because they went all the way to the finish. That's some good friends. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Pretty solid. They drove me crazy with all these weird signs. One was Chris O'Brien moves me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do it for Mike. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was, um, there was like the first sign that the one guy was holding was the end is near and he crossed off near and put the end is far. (laughs) I thought that was very fitting. That's great. They were very conscious to not have any of those like you're almost there signs. It's a lie. Yeah. They just had goofball signs. But that energy at the start, I thought was just there. There was it was all over the place. You had spectators. You had um, Feisner, right? Rob Feisner's. uh, his high, his hydration pack broke, so you got Mort and Shayna like dealing with his hydration. They're doing last minute fixes at the table. You got like all sorts of like headlamps buzzing around, and then you got Scott gets up there, and he's calm and he's chill. Just a little flutter of nervousness in his voice, <laughs> and he's like, uh, "You're gonna follow the white blazes. Goodbye." Orange. Don't Orange. die. <laughs> Then white. And there was a cornfield in the middle. And there was a corn. That's what I said. Cornfield was after ours, I remember hearing about it. And the cornfield, when we did our, we previewed the first half of the course, was a dirt field that we could see the road from, so we just ran across it. And we were like, wait, this looks like... It wasn't like that on race day. Yeah, we're like this... No, by late August, the corn's about eight feet high. It was over, yeah, over my head. Yeah, we're like, is this actually a farm? I'm glad I've been here before, because I know the gist of where I'm supposed to go, even though I can't see it. Um, and then it was just, yeah, just plowing through the corn. (laughs) Yeah. The corn was, so that's a thing, right? So I guess we could talk about that. If anybody's going to sign up for the race with the pure expectation of running through the cornfield, go ahead and break it to him, Scott. Yeah. We have 
we the so the landowner and FLTC and I we all talked and we tried to come up with some alternatives and so the, in the end the farmer didn't really love us trampling through his late August corn even though I mean he didn't really care he wasn't that mad but so we actually uh, the last couple weekends have been rerouting the trail to the corner of the cornfield we're there now so at the, at the moment you just kind of run the edge of the field out. Um, but we're going to continue to try to work as much as we can on keep that, it. Keep that's it, a good improvement. Keep it in the hedgerow. <laughs> but instead of going through the cornfield, basically most people were walking through it. I mean, it was almost impossible to run. Yeah, I couldn't run. Um, now we have this really nice single track rolling hill through some really nice section of woods. You come out in a little meadow for the cornfield now, and it's awesome. It makes it you know it makes it safer to pop out on the road. It makes you know it it's going to save me a ton of time. It took us hours to mark that cornfield because every stock shoulder width apart on left and right there was marked. There were markings in the cornfield? Oh, there are. There were there a are. billion oh, because they all it. ended up in my car. I didn't see one of them at any point. <laughs> well, I must have... There, there weren't just markings. There were every corn stock. They were tied to the top. There's a video. Yeah, they I'll were show you tied. the video. Hmm. You must have exited the cornfield a completely different way. <laughs> yeah, you you went off went, course, Mr. Uh, I was running along. I was running along... Because you run kind of on the side of the corn for, for a while. The, it, for the beginning. And then right. I, when it when you get to the end of that, I just barreled straight through. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have remember. to we'll have to check your Strava <laughs> on that one. The data um, doesn't lie, but, yeah. but, but that it was does. Just it, though, is that when the way the, the trail, you know, that you're describing comes out, I'd been the first time I ran the trail by myself, I got lost right there, um, and I actually got lost on the second section too, and I had a map in my pocket. <laughs> um, it just—it's very. It was just not a very intuitive way to exit into the corn. Yeah. Uh, so, I, even with the corn there, I was happy that I had been there before, though. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, that, I know, I know where the trail is. When I get to the other side, I know what it looks like. I know it's a downhill, kind of off to yeah. the left. So I know where I'm going. But yeah, it was a little. Especially but, that section, because you're in like the woods between two fields and two yeah. properties and everything. But I think in the end, everybody will be happy. I mean, I think it, yeah. I think it's a better place to be running now. Yeah, to be the, running, but the that landowner's happy. But yeah. it, I, I definitely got some comments and some emails and uh-huh. about the corn. Like we knew you mentioned the corn, but I don't think any of us know what corn looks like in late August until you're <laughs> trying to navigate your way through it. Yeah. So now, now let's bounce back. What was your uh, preparations the morning before the race? The what morning, what did like, you do, sort of Scott? Like the night before, the day before. Yeah, like how did you get? You know, like we all kind of put our jammies on and read a book and went to sleep. What did you do? I think I, I would say that every day for the five days leading up to the race, pretty much every hour of my day was scheduled with something to do. Um, it was a totally insane week for me to try to get course marked, get all the last pieces in place. Volunteer communication, paperwork, instructions, just a million details that had to happen. Uh, so, yeah, it was um, I, it was a blur. Did you, do you, but how I, many, because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say did you, how many flags were on the course? Um, I wouldn't have, I mean, I, I, I'd probably say about a thousand flags were put in. But then there were also some orange mud. They, one of our sponsors had given us some reflective arrow markers, and there were a couple hundred of those out there. Um, and then there were flagging tape, because there were so many sections along roads where, um, or even just in certain sections of the trail, that a marker in the ground isn't enough. Mm-hmm. You, know, you need something at eye level uh, in the distance f- sort of fluttering around. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. 
So I, I, I made the, the rookie mistake of marking almost the entire course myself. I had some help uh, from the Feisner family one day. Mm -hmm. They did some of the Italy Valley section. Um, and then I had one of the FLT guys that maintains the trail said he would mark a couple miles coming out of Urbana or coming into the Urbana aid station. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I spent the week, like all of my spare time, I was like out there marking and then coming back to my house or doing whatever I needed to do in the in-between. So you sort of ran the race before. before yeah, race. but not all at once. There's something yeah. to be said about that. <laughs> yeah, the, but yeah I, I, I learned about doing it all at once last year. Yeah. Yeah, I did it in different. I did it in two halves and I felt kind of kind of confident doing it in two halves. So yeah, but this year there will be I'm still I'm I've been on the record I think on this before. I like leaving the trail alone as much as I can. Like if you're in the woods and it's a single track trail and I doesn't need a marker, I'm not going to put a marker. There, there are the orange swatches on the trees, but I am going to make sure, you know, I, I, where, where I focus are the trails that cross, the ATV roads that might cross, any mm -hmm. road sections. Like, I'm going to make sure you know what he gets missed, turned, you know, turned around. So from that perspective, though, I am going to be using way more reflective markers. Similar to my 16 hour to 18 hour cutoff change, um, we also learned how hard this course was. Everybody was slower. To, you know, the winner was two, almost two hours behind where he thought he would come in. Um, and the finishing rate was very low, I think, as, as opposed to what people expected. And so what, what that translates to is a lot more dark running than people expected. Yeah. And that includes me. And so from a marking perspective, not enough reflective markers out on the course. So mm -hmm. that will be something that is, you're mm -hmm. gonna see a big difference this year. And mm -hmm. so I've got, got 2500 flags now and i've got reflective wow. tape and yeah so it'll be a it'll be a different course from that perspective so when those tricky turns come it, there'll be insurance markers that you can't miss mm -hmm. so and and i won't be marking the course all by myself good that'll Wonderful. be a different thing yeah you you deserve at least an hour of sleep <laughs> um yeah. so speaking of that um a little bit more night running uh Last year, we left our headlamps at Urbana. Yeah. Well, we, we dropped our headlamps at Aid Station 1. Yep. We picked them up at Urbana. And I heard that there was a lot of talk of moving them up at least one aid station, maybe to 54. Yeah, so I think that what we're talking about now is um, we'll actually have you hang on to your headlamps until Aid Station 2. It makes Aid Station 1 pretty crazy because uh, it's pretty much just a quick stop. Most people are trying to fly through there anyways. So I think we're going to have you drop them at age station two, and then we're going to bring them up course. So it won't be at Urbana. It'll be maybe Glenbrook uh, or maybe one of the two new mm -hmm. aid stations that we're putting in. Yeah, so tell us about those two new aid stations. Yeah, so um, Pub 54, fun place, uh, end of the Bristol Hill Branch Trail, which, you know, for me, I, in my mind, I wanted sort of a place to go and, a lot of people around here wanted to finish that trail in and of itself, so it's kind of an accomplishment just getting to that point. Mm -hmm. But that, where that, where the Bristol Hill Branch Trail ends is the middle of nowhere, and getting from the next aid station, Urbana, to this, which and that's the closest aid station, you have to drive almost 25 minutes. I mean, it's and you're going up seasonal roads, mm -hmm. and then it's an ATV ride down to the aid station. It was just too remote. So from a rescuing runners that didn't want to finish resupplying it was sort of a logistical nightmare and it really was what it did is two things it put a ton of distance between glenbrook and it 
that's like eight miles. It's a long stretch that late in the that race. Really nice, yeah. And considering what we were just talking about being dark, just it didn't make me feel very comfortable and like I had a lot, enough control over what was going on. And then it was another long run from that section into Urbana. And a lot of people's headlamps were sitting in Urbana. And so um, from a volunteer perspective, from a runner safety perspective, we've removed that aid station. So the Pub 54 is gonna be gone for this year. But what we've done is we've split it. And so there'll be an aid station um, on Lake David. That was one of the mm. things that have been happening. So it looks very likely that we'll actually have the aid station right up there by the lake, which is going to be a nice place for runners to sit and enjoy the view and take that in. Um, runners to sit and enjoy the view? And yeah. I think Jeff Green took a nap up there last year. <laughs> um, so I'm not completely misspeaking here. And then it'll be a great place for volunteers. Um, so if you're listening and you're interested in volunteering, that's the aid station I think you're going to want to work. Um, and then the next aid station will be where you recross Mitchellsville Road. Um, busy road, but again, now you're talking instead of a, an eight-mile, six-mile stretch between aid stations late in the race, it'll be a four-mile and a four-and-a-half mile. That's good. And uh, that's so just more checkpoints, more, you know, is everybody okay? Where is everybody? Um and then those aid stations can now more easily coordinate supplies, people, whatever we need, um, and just more accessible for setting up and tearing down. That's good down. news. Coming into Pub 54, I was that was a long stretch from the previous one. Yeah. And I'd say the last five miles of it, I was I could taste the Coke at Pub 54. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have Coke at Pub 54 <laughs> right when I got there. Yeah. And I was so bummed about that. Um, probably more bummed than I should have been, but that was what was getting me there in the first place. Um, but the fact that it's not so far and it's not so remote, I mean, that will probably help, um, stuff like that not happening this year, which is awesome. So that's also where Mertzak caught up with me. Yeah. He came barreling out of the woods, like a bull in a China shop. <laughs> and I was, I was leaving the aid station as he was coming in. He came flying out and, uh, yeah, those are like my two memories. No Coke and Mertzak. Hmm. That aid station. <laughs> so. One of those memories is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I went into so I um I chronicled my adventures when Jeff Green made me let him interview me on the podcast. But fifty four was a weird aid station for me. That's where Dave was saying like, "What's that sign about Ireland?" And I'm like, "Dude, what Ireland? I don't I don't know what you're talking about right now." And he's like, "Well, are all the aid stations like countries?" And I'm like. I don't, I can't even talk to you right now. I don't even know what you're saying. And he's like, well, that last, that other aid station was like all Italy. And, um, the, uh, this, this aid station is like Ireland. And I'm like, I don't, okay. I don't care. I'm like, sure. Ireland, Italy. I don't even know where I am right now. You know? Yeah. I didn't know for months that you had the day that you did. Yeah. And then I get the Dave Justice version of the story. <laughs> oh, and I, I was I crying, <laughs> <laughs> laughing so hard. I don't even think I've gotten the Dave you Justice version. You should definitely do it. Anybody should do it. I can't do it justice, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was like talking in a different line. I had no idea. So when I got to 54, all I could do is like put my head in my hands and just sit there. And they were the nicest people. They offered me like everything. And the, I, I just read my race report this morning. I actually did some prep for this. And somebody said, do, do you want something to drink? And I said, no, I'm a monster. 
And uh, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, what did I say? What I and you know, there was a whole dialogue going on in my head, but I just told them like, no, I'm a monster. <laughs> Yeah, and then Dave's like, here, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, and I like put it to my lips, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's gross. And I threw it. And I'm like, what a jerk. Why did I just, <laughs> why did I throw that away? I didn't have to throw it. And like, so I just put my hands back in my head. I looked up, and there's Mike Bray sitting across from me. I'm like, when did he get here? Like, I don't even know what's going on right now. And I had like this huge shudder go through my body. And I'm like, okay, it's time to go. Like, I got I to gotta go right now. And then as I'm leaving, the very nice lady at the aid station, which I later found was your sister. My sister, yeah. Yeah, she was like, you guys want to take a headlamp? And I'm like, no. And then I'm like, yes. <laughs> Dave, go back and get that headlamp, please. And then, you know, that headlamp was what got me into Urbana because without that, like that, you know, I was, I was going much slower than I thought. So 54 was a weird turning point for me. So. And, and, and uh, you know, as I got stories too, Dan, the um, the requests for coke were were being made, but they were falling on deaf ears, and so I apologize for not having coke up there. That's I, cool. That was like the if I had a complaint about the race, I mean, yeah. a few people were like, ah, oh, this turn could have been, but I mean, they were just gentle suggestions. But the the, the supplies up at, at that aid station, it was such a desperately long stretch of trail that late in the race on a hard race on a hot day and mm-hmm. I think people would have killed people for coke yeah. had there been like one can and two runners like there might have been a fight well, I would have fought somebody that, right. but um, that all had to be brought in on a four wheeler right yeah. all the supplies for that aid station were brought in on a four wheeler yeah yeah. I got it was, over it yeah it was a it was a very friendly aid station I mean and, right. and it was fun they had some music playing if, as far as what Dave told me Dave was willing to hang out there and he handed me like, he's like, let me get you some chips. And he has this, like, he brought me this handful of chips and I'm like, your hands are enormous. How could you hold, <laughs> how can you hold that many chips? I like took three chips and I'm what like, what was this. in that beer you drank at Glenbrook? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, you know, I think it was the water that was in the water drop that was in that gully on the climb up. I think that's what, I don't know, but man, yeah, 54 was where my race kind of, but then I, you know, I recovered after 54, I sort of made, but 54 was the turning point. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know that I won't be revisiting Pub 54 this year. I'm sad to see it go, but. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I take, I take it very seriously when it comes to, you know, enabling the volunteers to do what they need to do mm-hmm. and keeping runners safe. You know, those two things are just paramount to this thing happening next year and the year after that and the year after that. And it's bad. I just, I so wanted to be able to keep that aid station. It just doesn't make sense. I think it's it's really great. It's hard for me to even let that go. I think it's really great how the, those aid stations logistically are close together now. Like all those three aid stations in that little area they might feel pretty far for the runners, but they're all on, what, two different roads that, that now you can drive to? That's good. Yeah, well, Mitchellsville Road, I mean, you basically cross and then recross Mitchellsville Road, and Lake David is just up at the top. There's a little spur of a road that goes just to the top of the hill because nobody yeah. wants to hike supplies up there. <laughs> and the road is too fast, and so I don't want runners and cars and crew and everybody hanging out there. So um, you'll, you'll 
the runners will get to climb up to Lake David, but then it'll be really easy to access and then easy to access yep. the next aid station. So yeah, it just made perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Lake David's private land, isn't it? Or no? Uh, up on top it is. Um, the so Finger Lakes. So a house, I mean, that's that pond yep, or whatever. Yep, right? and yep. There's a house over there, beautiful. Yep. And so um, what we're talking now is exactly where we're putting the aid station, whether we're going to put it right at the top of the hill, but or over by that house. Okay. Um, so instead of running to the right of the pond, because Lake David is really just a big pond, yeah. um, I think we're going to have you run left to, you know, just closer to the road, easier for the volunteers. Um, so you might pick up 0.1 more mile in the race. Oh, cool. So it's longer. So it's yeah. longer. It's a little yeah. bit longer. The cornfield added 0.18, I think. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, but there's another section that is being rerouted for landowner issues and and yeah. so we'll end up losing some there. Yeah, okay. Brink Hill. Yeah. yeah. So it'll it should net out to probably be a lot more than I'm gonna advertise on the website. So <laughs> yeah. you'll get your hundred K's worth for sure. You'll get your hundred K. <laughs> it's always ish. Yeah, it's always ish. And this is the thing, right? I mean the, the Finger Lakes trails, they rely on private landowners and they look for permanent easements. So one of the things that they're working on right now around Lake David is a permanent easement. And okay. so the current climb or the climb that we you know Dan yeah. you did last year or in Chris, right? that'll eventually go away. They've got a permanent easement that's coming into play just, I guess that would be south of there. Uh, so instead of hitting the road and going right and then up the hill, you'll go left and you'll take a different route up oh, the hill. But that's but such a good hill. I know. You love your hills. It's a nice straight hill. hill. It's, yeah, it's very straightforward. Like so right now the landowners are very friendly and they're giving me the option. If you want to go the old route, if you want to go the new route. So for this year, you're going to climb okay, your good, hill. Good, good. Climb your hill. That's a good climb. It is, and, and you have the lake late. right there when you get to the top. It's fifty it's nice. plus miles. That's fifty miles in. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, a good one. description for the race. It's a good climb. <laughs> it is a good climb. From what I've heard, descent, I clearly though. haven't done it's it. It's all downhill, and I think the descents are what really yeah. wreck people on the day. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a net downhill, which you may enjoy, but um, I'm learning that I need to take that net downhill a little bit easier. I was telling Scott today that. Those first three miles down to aid station one, I'm, I may just do some hiking instead of even running it. I think the, the Feisner plan was pretty solid last mm -hmm. year. So he built through the day, like he started really conservative? Well, Feisner's um, hydration pack didn't work. Oh, that's right. So he was the last person across the start line. And he didn't, yeah, I mean. I had, I had a bandit start. Well... He was the last person to cross the finish line or across the starting line. Well, so you knew we about the bandit. Okay. We don't count those people though, <laughs> unless it was you. But Feisner was the last registered runner. We're not we're not doing this for bandits here. But um, he passed me at mile like twenty four, after taking a wrong turn. But you know he basically threw and and from mile twenty four. To the finish, he put three and a half hours on me. Wow. So, okay. you know, I mean, now that's not to say that he wouldn't have did that anyway, but he even said when we were at 24, he's like, you know, I, I actually feel kind of fresh right now. I feel like I'm, I'm really just getting started. Cool. And then like he was out of that aid station and gone and oh my goodness. yeah, he put like mm -hmm. more than three hours on me and, and 40 miles, which I mean, most people can do that, but. But that's the cool thing about the course and the day and the length of it is that it's anybody's game and everybody's going to have so many ups and downs that you really can't anticipate all those things that can go wrong 
um, and how it's going to impact the field. Yeah, and so the the interesting thing I've found about being at an aid station all day is you get to see the different conditions mm-hmm. of the runners as they come through. Right. So, you know, the, the idea of the Coke, right, being a high demand at 54, do you see trends, you know, Mike, and or do you see trends of, like, what the people early on, do they just blast through, they get a splash of water, and then the people later at the end, are they sitting down and having a buffet, or do you see certain <laughs> things going at certain times of the day? What's your sort of experience? You were later in the day, yeah, correct? Yeah, 46 okay. change or whatever, Glenbrook, and sure, I, I would say that that's true, but you know, while you're asking that question, I have a question for Dan, because I think it was you who came, when you came into that station, mm-hmm. the, the Glenbrook, it was you or somebody, I think it might have been you, were saying that the last section was surreal and it made you have an altered state of consciousness. Was that you or is that somebody else? Someone was like, <laughs> was like, that section was so weird and like, oh, like this. No, I don't think that was no. me. That right. Somebody else. But someone, someone. I remember, I remember your aid station. I remember seeing you. I remember going through it. But I, uh, I didn't have. Yeah. So someone, uh, I thought it may have been you. It was hmm. Just I remembered a guy saying it, and in a few people had mentioned just that about about that section just coming in there, and then there were these these horse flies that were like little birds, and I, oh my I killed gosh. one of them. I think it may have been on Murtzak or whatever. The thing was, you know, I mean, I, I'd like to say it was like my fist, but no, it was like yes, yeah, it, it was. They were oh big. My these, these were big horse flies, you know, like twice the size of three times what you'd normally see, and I was surprised. That that scared me the most. I'm like, oh man, I don't want to do this race if they're gonna have these two <laughs> oh That's what God. scares you. You know, it would. It's these flying things. Yeah. That's right. But no, I'm I'm over that now. I've, you know, yeah. Got to do it. The, the thing about horse flies you should know is they're not like a bee that like lands and stings. Like they, they have to like set themselves up and they, so they might actually be on you for a little bit before they bite you. So you've got a time, you've got time to just <laughs> you experience in this field. So like, I'm like, experienced with horse flies. Yeah. yeah. I've been around them my whole life. They tie a napkin but around their neck. I have to say, like I, I was, as I was marking the course, they were like, they were like haunting me. They were following me for miles and I'd like run really fast and it would just be like a second and then they'd be right around me again, waiting for me to slow down and drop a flag. Yeah. And I just have never seen them on the course before. Like, I mean, I've been yeah. down and I've been all over this course my whole life, you know, and I don't ever remember them being there. So yeah, they, they, yeah. a few people, a few people brought it up that the horse flies. That, that sucks coming in there. I was like, whoa, yeah, yeah. So interesting. It's not that surreal of a section. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward. It's actually one of the nicer sections. I can't remember it at all. I have no idea what it looks like. I can't remember. There was the so the way to um, Glenbrook. There's the there's the the previous aid station is at a house right is that uh no so it's patch road which is the house the cabin in the right woods. yeah oh my and goodness. then you come into glenbrook i'm yeah, sorry so that, uh, bud valley bud which valley. is like 40 like a little town that we couldn't believe the amount of people yeah, and cars and activity awesome. going around there and bud valley is the place to go if you want to watch the race you just want to hang out and spectate well, bud, bud valley is the place in patch road right or if you're heading into it uh, other way around. So patch, you hit patch, then you hit Bud Valley, then you go to Glenbrook. Yeah, patch was interesting because I drove. Patch was after, so it's Italy Turnpike, oh, then yeah. it's patch. Yes, yes, got then Bud Valley. Yes, that's yeah. right, of course. But I yeah. went to pick up people that were, you know, picking up all the flags, and it, I didn't really know what to expect. I lost GPS because mm-hmm. it's in the middle of nowhere, and I'm like driving down the state TV road, and the trees are just getting like more engulfing my car oh, you more. drove into the patch road aid station I drove into it yes. not knowing it, it was fine but then all the runners got in the car and they're just like 
how are we going to get out of here? I'm like, don't worry, I got this. Yeah. It was, and then there's all these people playing beer pong and having a blast, and it must have been really fun for the runners to come into that energy. I, I heard a lot of fun things about Patch Road. Yeah. Uh, and the families agreed to let us use Patch Road again. Good. They've told us if it's raining, you can have the aid station in our cabin. Totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. So they yeah, we just got also. we just got to make sure that they put the tailwind in the tailwind jug and the water in the water oh, jug. Oh, had it swapped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they weren't sure if they had it swapped, oh, and no. then it turns out that both of them were mostly water and mostly tailwind at one point. <laughs> Patch Road itself is a public road or private. It's a public road, but as Laura was it's saying, really it ATV starts road. off like this and it ends up into a road that you can't even do a K turn on. Okay. No, totally. I was it's, like, it's a one lane dirt road okay. that has ruts for where the tires are. Okay. I had to go very slow yeah. so that I didn't damage the bottom of my car or even just the the, the outside right. of the car in general. Okay. So I mean, that was late August too. Okay. There's uh, if you if you go. Um, to the next road access, which I believe is Browns Williams Road, uh, you could throw a gallon of water over the railing there, and you're only maybe less than a mile from Patch okay. Road. Okay. Yep. So um, next up, I guess you know we've talked about the beginning and the middle, and then let's talk about the end, right? I mean, Scott's got a little bit of a party at the end. He's got a big old bonfire. Got some good food. He's got uh, body work needed there. Given some rub downs. Nice. Uh, he had some nice, awesome ceramic mugs, um, and uh, then he had a, uh, a a wooden kind of finish gate that you got to run under. Yeah. And he had Eric Egan at the finish line. When I came through, it was Eric Egan. This guy's probably giving his voice a rest or something after seventeen hours of yelling. Um, so when I finished, um, which was much later than I anticipated, um, as we're coming down the triad trail, so first it's finding the triad trail, right? You're running down the road and you're like, where's this new trail? Let me find this thing. Because when we had done the preview runs, the triad trail wasn't finished. Yeah. I think Mike had seen it like two weeks before. Mike Murtzak had seen it like one week before the race. Yeah, it was finally finished and ready to run on. And um, so come out of the woods and you're running down the road looking for this dumb trail. And you're like, if I miss this trail and I have to come back up this 18% grade road, I'm going to choke somebody. So I am not missing this turn. And then you get onto the trail and it's about, I give or take 17 million switchbacks to get down to the bottom and you're like I, I think I think that's an accurate number. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about 17 million or so, right? Um, and they're all like loose rubble on the outer edges and you just you just want to be done and you're like is this the last switchback is this And when you the... get to the top of that hill before you descend, I'm pretty sure you can hear the road. Yeah, you can. So you're like, okay, that's the road I got to cross to get to the finish. I'm close. Yep. This is going to be Oh, but then nice. you just keep and going then back just and forth. Like never ending switchback. And like, then yeah. MC like run across the hill, turn around, come all yeah. the way across the hill. <laughs> it's yeah. totally yeah. MC. You own it. It's like MC Escher designed the trail. And <laughs> you're just running and you're like, I'm not getting any closer to the road, but I'm still running and I don't know what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And, and <laughs> just before that, there is that really beautiful part where you come up on top of Mount Washington and you come out of like the upsy down ridge out onto the farm field and you're standing like right next to the moon 
Like it was <laughs> right there. You're, I mean, you're standing next to the moon and you're like, well, whole moon. You were still delusional, but yes. Yeah. And the moon or the sun? The moon. <laughs> <laughs> by, that, by that point, I had realized it was a moon. Oh, okay. Because um, there was a dog barking at the moon. So that kind of clued me in. Um, but it was dark and uh, a huge moon. But then you're now, okay, I want to be done. And, and you go down this M.C. Escher triad trail. And I felt like it was a little evil because I felt like we kept running past the finish line and then running back and then running past the finish line and then running back. I could hear it. I could hear the road. Yep. I, I, I didn't think I was ever going to get there. And then all of a sudden you hear someone yelling, like, run her up, like, to yeah. help you, like, run through that ditch yeah. trap right at yep. the very, 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 very end before you cross the road. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God. And then, and then all of a sudden right you're on the road and then you just have this quick little downhill and it's like, so it's seemingly never going to end. And then you blink and you're like sitting on a picnic table like, and, and you're, you're done. done. And you're like, holy wow. cow. You're like, wow. So it's, it, it, it hits you quick. Yeah. But it, at one point it does feel like you're never going to get there. And then you that do. last mile. And then you do. Yeah. And it was really, it was really, the fire was nice, warm. I think I said thank you to Scott at the end. I I told myself the whole time I'm just going to say thank you to him. I'm not going to tell him anything about the race. I'm just going to say thank you. But I may have swore. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. He still talks to me today. So could have been that bad. I heard a lot of things at the finish line from a lot of people. I, I bet that was interesting. It was. It really was. You know, I I, my, I just I was just so happy. There was nobody that really got lost. Nobody really got nobody. No real injuries. And at that point, I was so exhausted. That was the only thing I cared about was mm-hmm. just making sure. sure that everything today just finishes happy. Like, and that was the only thing I could keep my focus on by the end of the day. Um, yeah, but the fire was, was really nice. We finished. If you got to finish in the daytime, I bet the lake was really nice yeah. on that nice warm day. Yeah, it's a little murky there. I mean, but you know, if you've been through what you've been through, you don't care. The lake water feels amazing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we also have, so not only can you camp at OCP, uh, Ontario County Park, but you can now also camp behind the fire hall this year. Wow, So if you want to camp cool. Friday night before you pick up the shuttle to go up to the starting line, oh, cool. you can leave your stuff in your car and then camp out again Saturday night after the race. So You got a crew member that you camp up with at OCP. They can ferry your yeah. stuff down to Hammondsport and set up your camp for you. You got some nice crew. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I won't handle for you. The, the, there's a shuttle this year, or there was a there was a, for the bus. Or yeah, something, so there's which a, I think I signed up for, but I don't know any details. I forgot. Yeah, so the, we have a shuttle that takes you from Hammondsport up to the starting line. It's like an hour bus ride. I say you've got to leave before four. Uh, the so bus leaves at three, so that you have an hour wow. to be at the park and just make sure yeah. you can do what you need to do at the park. Right, that's at smart. The starting line. And it gives us a little bit of wiggle room with the bus in case the... I don't know what happens to the bus. Right. Nothing's happening to the bus. Nothing. But nothing just to have, just happens to, to bus. We had a lot of people that wanted to time. stay near the finish line. We had a lot of people that wanted to stay at the starting line. So the shuttle yeah. allows us to... It allows people to do both. Um, but I really this, think this way people can stay in camp the night before and wake up and literally walk 10 feet to the shuttle. Um, and then they can finish that night and walk across the field to the fire hall, which is mm-hmm. right next door. And camp and sleep mm-hmm. um, or sleep and then wake up and watch more people finish whatever they want to do but yeah um, i think that i mean what what more could you ask for is like sleep at the start or sleep at the finish of a point-to-point race yeah. and we'll make sure you get to the start like that's pretty solid yeah good work there 
Well, and the really interesting thing to me, because now we're talking about the end of the race, and I might be jumping ahead, so Chris, you can tell me to back we're, it up. We're at the end. I don't know okay. if you can jump much further ahead well, at the end of the race. I think we were all, except maybe Dan, I'm not sure if you were there, at the um, uh, informational night at Cummings Nature Center. Yes. And I, as a volunteer, was really excited for what I already thought was an awesome race and well-directed, you really made some serious changes to kind of the logistics behind the scenes. And I thought that was remarkable. So you like really took all those things that everybody, you know, gave you all those little gentle pushes and thoughts Mm -hmm. and integrated it to just see how you could take it a little further. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, this is, this is absolutely a 12-month thing for me now. I know. <laughs> this doesn't happen like two weeks before the race. This is sure. something I work on all year long, and um, I will sit and think about those little pushes, those little suggestions that, mm-hmm. hey, you know, some people crossed the finish line and gave me an earful for how the triad trail was marked. Nobody is missing that triad trail this year. You're going to have to, you know, well, be you, know. you have to be delusional like Chris. It was, it was marked well once you're on. You have to be a monster to miss that turn. <laughs> But it's those things where, you know, it's just, I, you know, I don't, and not that I don't take it, I'm not taking it the wrong way. I just don't take it lightly, you know? I mean, if it makes sense and it's easy to do, there's so much that can be done. Um, you know, you can get overwhelmed, but, you know, I think we had a really solid base, but there's always room for improvement, you right. know? And all the positive feedback and how much I really care about this race and want this race to continue, I need to be able to, you know, not rest on my laurels and say I don't need to do a thing I need to keep looking for ways to make my life easier so that I can focus on keep you know raising the race and doing the night you know doing the things I still really want to keep it a simple race yeah you know I still want that old school feeling um I don't want to chase gimmicks um Mm. but you know runner safety is huge and you know it's already a tough course and I think it's a tough course mentally too um Mm. You know, yeah. but I don't need to make you wonder if you got lost. That's a different thing altogether. So, well, I think mentioning what Laura said, one of the other things we did is we recorded that volunteer seminar. Yeah. So we're going to be releasing that so oh, that well, that worked out great. So that all the volunteers can actually hear those materials and see the presentations. Even if you sign up as a late volunteer, you get this like full course that you know sort of scott put together it was yeah, useful great. yeah so that was one of the things i got feedback from it was almost from everybody was you had the most amazing volunteers mm-hmm. i've ever seen at an ultra before well the weird part is is that you know i you know if you think of like the classic ultras you know you've got these these you know people fighting over working at aid stations and you've got aid station captains that have been doing this for decades right um, this is a different type of ultra in an area that doesn't have an ultra, right? Mm-hmm. And the people local to the starting line are different than the people that are local to the finish line. And um, it was something that I was really anxious and nervous about because, you know, like Mike, you alluded to it. You yeah. know, you got there and like, so what do we do here? Yeah, and none of the people that I worked with had ever done it before. So it was like, oh, you know, luckily I had run some races, so I figured, all right, I, yeah, we yeah. can do this. And we did. It was, it was a lot of fun. It worked out really good. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I got very lucky. You know, I had good people with, you know, good hearts and the right intentions and a little bit of experience yep. Yep. and things went, you know, amazing, really. Um, but the reason we did the volunteer night is that I really want to bring back as many of those volunteers as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to 
help them understand where they were and what they were looking at and why people were completely delusional and what do you do with these people? I wasn't completely delusional. I was mildly delusional. As one of our our speakers said, you lie to them horribly. You lie to them. Abby? Uh, Abby, yeah. Yeah, she was great. She was phenomenal at at the... So I'm glad that we'll be we'll be putting that out there for the volunteers to listen to and yep. and it's something that you know again I just want to continue just as much as I want the race to build the, the volunteers um, I mean it's I said this at volunteer night you know we were actually looking at that picture you were talking about in the beginning of the race and the reality of that moment for me is that at the beginning of the race and everybody's looking at their watches and I haven't said go yet is that the at that point there's nothing else I can do Mm-hmm. It's it is the volunteers' race, you know what they do and how they treat the runners, and that's what the runners really going to experience out there. Um, and so I think so much of the positive feedback that ends up coming out of the race has ninety percent of what you know what Laura and Mike and everybody and all those yeah. crews did all over the place yep. to make the runners have you know such a great day. So yeah. and I wanted to make one more quick note of that is you have a medical director this year, right? Like. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had one last year. So, yeah. you know, Dr. Askvig will be back. Yeah. Um, and um, he's one of the speakers that we've recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of that runner safety stuff and making sure everybody mm-hmm. feels good and having somebody for the volunteers to go to and all that, I think, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's, uh, that's key that you did that, to have that seminar to be able to show it. I mean, one way to look at it, you got really lucky that first time through a lot of things went your way and no one got hurt no one got lost if you have this race each year on that place someone's going to get hurt someone's going to get lost you know and let's it's going to happen right so prepare for absolutely it. i mean right. you know yeah. so absolutely well, got to prepare and, and, for and we go that's why we have the safety board meetings with the dec yeah. and the emergency centers and the police and the sheriff and the state police yeah. and the, mm-hmm. i mean it's all this what do we do if and you can come up with a million scenarios Um, and so we don't dwell into those details but we make sure that everybody's prepared you know if you were to call 911 and anywhere in the course the 911 centers have the FLT maps and the access points they have the same maps that Mm -hmm. volunteers have you guys could be looking at the same map talking to each other about where a runner is and I mean there's just is all these things that we can we can do to prepare for those events you don't have cell service through a lot of that course I mean I was running it last weekend and we couldn't get service through most of where we were yeah all right, so lightning round. We're going to finish up. We're going to go around. What are you most excited about for this year? So, Laura, what are you most excited about for Twisted Branch this year? I'm excited to hear the stories. There's so many good stories out of a race like that. I want yeah. to hear, like, tonight talking about it. Mm-hmm. I, want to see, I want to hear about it on the other end. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to bring all the stories. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Scott, what are you most excited about? I, um, I'm looking forward to enjoying it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Delegate. Yeah. Some <laughs> delegation, some experience, you know, and, and being a little bit more willing to just let the race go and not try to control things, let it flow and, and just be out there to enjoy it. So. Just like the runners deal with what the day gives you, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mike, what about you? Uh, for me, I'm finding with these ultra race races, I enjoyed the most right before the race, like going to the race. I get so excited. I get so jazzed up. And then after the race, when it's done and I can stop. That's those two are, that's great. And then obviously I love everything in between, but it's really 
because of all of the fun I have leading up to it mm-hmm. and in the fact that I'm going to be able to stop running at one point. <laughs> yep, you get to be done. And After trust 7 me, million switchbacks. Once yep. you hit that, once you hit the bottom of that track, it's done. Like if, it just If I focus happens. too much about what's really how I feel in the middle of it, you know, I may not be doing this as much as I, but, but it's the whole thing. It's the whole lifestyle mm-hmm. of leading up to it and then being done and saying, I did that. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yep. So Dan, you're not running Twisted Branch again this year. I'm not running Twisted Branch this yep. year. So, Burning River, 100. Yes. Woohoo! So you said, you know, Leadville, you were going to sort of step back, work your way back up to the 100-mile distance. You weren't going to do more than a 50-miler. You hit Twisted Branch. What part did running well at Twisted Branch play in your um, uh, taking on Burning River? Well, Twisted Branch was a much tougher effort than I thought it was going to be. Um, I talked to a couple people after the race who essentially compared it to some like they had said that they had run 100 milers that were easier than this 100k you know and that was something that kind of stuck with me because it's like well you know of course the 100 miler i picked to try in leadville was not an easy one so i, I kind of reached for the stars and, and came up a little short but um so i it was a big confidence booster to know that you know i can go 15 hours, 65 miles, and, you know, I was beat up Saturday night, but I hopped out of bed Sunday morning and went, for a, yeah, went for a walk and with my girlfriend around the village of Fairport, and I was moving good up and down the stairs, and it was like, okay, like, I can, I'm capable of a lot of stuff, so mm-hmm. it, it just kind of, you know, I was feeling good, and so this year I figured I was going to try it again, the distance, but I picked a, a much more manageable course, and something that kind of suits my strengths a little more. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. to have some success in Ohio. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. But for what I'm excited about for Twisted Wrench this year is um, I went through and looked at the registration list the other day, <clears> and there <throat> were creeping up on 90 registered at this oh, point. Good. Which, you know, that's that's awesome. How many registered last year? How many were there? 91 total. 91 okay. total. And What's we're, the limit? We're almost we're six, uh, two months out. Just yeah. about. So That's if you great. look at the registration rate, well, I can look at it. You guys don't have access to that rate. <laughs> but the, our our busiest time was the last 60 days leading into the race. Yeah. So we if there's already essentially what you had last year total. Um, you know, you're nice. going to get bigger numbers. And it's, it's really exciting to see such an awesome event grow even just from the first year to the second year. So, But I was looking through the names and I saw so many familiar names mm-hmm. on the list. And I'm just really excited to see... Um, you know, some people go back and kind of get revenge and, and kind of mm-hmm. give it another go and have a, you know, hopefully have a better, um, a better race. But then there's, you know, some people that didn't run it last year that are registered this year that, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, mm-hmm. kind of how they fare against the course. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've kind of been through it. I know there's going to be some slight changes to the course this year, but, um, I've been through it. So I'm excited to see some, you know, good, good friends go through it and, and, you know, and again, like Laura said, you know, hear the stories afterwards. It's, yeah. There's always endless stories to come out of these things. So it's well, awesome. You should be just picking up your next training cycle. So, you know, I don't have a pacer yet. Yeah. I mean, it's only, it's three, three weeks. weeks, three weeks out. No, two weeks, August 6th, August 20th this year. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll be, mm. we'll see. Yeah. I don't have a pacer yet, so. I'll keep that in mind. We'll see how Burning River goes. <laughs> as long as I don't die. Um, you will not. We will. Uh, I will not. Yeah. It will hurt, but it will not die. I think I'll be okay. 
Yeah. All right. Any last remarks? Any last thoughts? Any? Go sign up. Go go get yourself twisted. Or at least like get involved in some way because it's yeah. really it's fun. It's so fun. It's fun, and you get to camp, hang out with all these uh, all these yellow and orange and green and weird runners <laughs> hanging out at the beginning of the race. Or toucan short runners. Toucan short. Get yourself in a cool picture. Wear a cow suit. You know, you could volunteer. You could drive into the woods with flags. You can uh, sit down you know. in Italy Valley and have pasta. Yeah, take a nap by the lake. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's all sorts of all manner of things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Scott, anything else? No. Thanks for putting this together, Chris. Thank you. You're the one that put this together. This is your deal. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. This has been a presentation of Running Inside Out Special Events. For more events, visit the website at runninginsideoutpodcast.com. Get out and run.